This is the fifth episode of the newly renamed Nifty Nick Show. Without the large, dedicated following, I could not keep going through this transition. Today, I have on a crypto photographer who claims to be the first ever. We'll be diving into his take on the NFT space and try to shed some visibility into what it means for photographers. This show is all about learning from those who have skin in the game, and today's guest is no exception. In these 20-minute Clubhouse episodes, we'll discuss the latest market-making activity in the world of NFTs, jump into a conversation with my co-host of the week, and field ideas from the community. Let's get started. Yeah. He no longer holds on the shares of GameStop, but his words are enough to make another stock pop. Remember that this show is just for your laughs, not investment advice, though. We do love some grass. The Baron of Broad Street didn't hire the lawyers, but he definitely wants to avoid those court orders. Don't expect the stock show to be business-like. So back to Nick O'Neill. Hey, man, here's the mic. What's up? We are back, and... Uh... You know, this time we still have the same intro rapper from the previous show. So this is going to be a gradual progressive transition over to the new Nifty Nick show. But Justin, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. And if I knew we were freestyling, I would have had something prepared. Oh, man. Well, that definitely was not me rapping. Uh, Let's be clear about that. I would have prepared also if we were going to have a freestyle rap battle. (laughs) Um, Well, maybe we can mint that next time. Yes. Okay. So that'll be the next episode is uh, freestyle rapping. I'm not sure. Well, yeah. I, can you actually prepare for freestyle rapping? I think that's the antithesis of freestyle. Well, just my mind that I'm going into something off the bat like this. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to kick things off with the first portion of this show, which is the breaking news uh, portion of this show. Photographers are packaging their work as NFTs. Justin, you claim to be the first crypto photographer. Is that true or is that true? I would say I'm the first to mint portraits of a large scale of 100 twins and sell out within a few days. So I could definitely humbly and uh, confidently uh, say that, yes, that is the case for portrait photography. That was a pretty niche uh, subset of the photography world, but I uh, respect that niche and appreciate you uh, clarifying that. How did you first uh, hear about NFTs? Uh, so I'll give you the whole journey of the NFT. It, honestly, I've been in this only a month. I was actually onboarded by Alex Mesmesh, um, who runs Try Showtime, and I found him evidently on clubhouse and actually i was i was in early in these rooms back in january um before elon musk blew up the spot for clubhouse and you know i, I was in rooms with the open sea founders with the nifty gateway producers with alex mesmesh so i really was in before the news let's say of people broke back in february with forbes was his first article i think that really started getting the limelight on on mainstream media with NFTs and auctions and astronomical prices and all that good stuff. Um, so, you know, Alex Mesmesh is definitely the first person to inspire me. And I actually tried before I met him to mint stuff on Rarible. But unfortunately, uh, with Rarible, I couldn't mint anything. And I wasted like a hundred bucks just for gas and I didn't get to mint anything. And it kind of robbed me and it kind of actually put me off to nfts from the beginning 
And it took Alex Mazmash like three different times to like reach out to me and be like, Hey man, I want you to be on here. I, I believe in you. And I'm like, all right, after three times, I finally stopped being an asshole and I started listening and, and, and doing the thing and actually give this kid time because he actually wanted to see me thrive. Right. So Alex Mazmash literally um, walked me through on zoom to make a MetaMask to make an open sea and I'm glad he did that because he opened my eyes to a whole new world of potential. Whereas when I was doing it without him, I was just pissed off and I didn't want to do it because rarables robbed me and that's not a good first time experience. I'm, I'm honestly, I I have to comment on the rarable experience because this weekend I was going to bring this up later uh, in our conversation, but this past weekend I was like, you know what? I've, I'm finally, I had not purchased NFTs. I just found them to be fascinating. I, I've owned crypto for many years. Uh, however, I'd never actually jumped into buying an actual NFT. And I was like, you know what? I, I can't write about this without trying that out. And so, and, and owning some NFTs. So this uh, weekend, I went on to Rarible. I tried to go through the process of making a purchase. And it was awful. Like the entire experience, I, I already had a MetaMask account. I had some money that was in there, but even you get robbed. Yeah, I I got robbed of fees multiple times. What's crazy is it's is like bullshit. I fucking hit those dudes up on support, and they're like, "Hey, you guys robbed me," and they're like, "That's just part of the blockchain, bro." I'm <laughs> this is not good customer service. Pushing <laughs> people away. So it, Sorry, it actually it is true though that like it, the problem is is it is the blockchain, but some of the stuff <laughs> that they have occur is basically. There's three steps to like complete even a bid. So I went through the process of placing a bid because I'm like, oh, this is interesting. It looks like I can get this for half off because someone else is bidding lower. So I'm going to place a bid. So then to place that bid, it takes the money out of your account, converts it into a uh, wrapped ETH, and then they uh, charge you a fee just to place the bid. If you want to change that bid, they charge you a fee again. If you want to cancel that bid, they charge you a fee again. And all of those, uh, I guess, on-chain transactions are costing a fortune. So I basically spent like $100 and got nothing. When are you going to have them on here so we can call them out? <laughs> that is a good question. But isn't, isn't it the same case with all of the other service providers? Like I went on, I purchased one on OpenSea today, which was like... Uh, someone's cut cardboard cutout version of a crypto punk and i thought it was hilarious so i'm like okay i'm going to i'm going to get this the cost of the of the nft was $0 the person was giving it away but i paid $70 in fees well honestly i love OpenSea, and i'll advocate for those guys alex and devin and the whole team it it really honestly rejuvenated my whole spirit when it came to nfts as a as a seller as an artist because of the whole lazy minting and you only have to pay the gas fee once, which could range between 50 to $130, depending on who is using the blockchain or processing fees at that time. It could be astronomical if everyone's buying top shots or it could be super cheap if no one's, if there's no activity. So on the seller side, it's really good because it's a one-time thing and you can mint and sell unlimited amount of shit. On the buyer side, I bought in at least like 12 people's art and I'm okay with it. You know, it's, it's just the money you got to put into the community. And it's at this point in time with the technology, we just got to suck it up and pay the, the fee 
to support people because somewhere down the line, hopefully by July, E2.0 is going to come out and we're going to ha- not have crazy gas fees because um, all the miners. Yep. But I do want to go back to the story of Alex Masmas and also G Money, who was my confidant as a collector and influence to actually make me want to mint stuff. So I'd like to go back to my experience. So I, I, I went to, I went to open sea and it was just a breath of fresh air. I definitely recommend it for every noob like myself who hasn't, ha- who doesn't have friends at Nifty gateway or, or rareable or super, sorry, super rare or uh, foundation and just start there. It's, it's the best place to start and it's very accessible and you know, you got to direct buyers to your, to your work. And I, and I've been doing it through Twitter and discord and just, making friends with uh, people in the NFT space. Um, so that's my experience with OpenSea. And what really got me inspired to actually want to put Twin Flames up on uh, as an NFT is, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the backstory. So I've been working on Twin Flames since 2017, May 31st, and I finished the project July 18th, 2018 in London with the, the biracial twins that were in Nat Geo in Birmingham, in UK, Birmingham. And that was such a beautiful moment, like bringing the project to rest. It's in honor of my twin who passed. Uh, my mother had a miscarriage before, during, and after me. And the one during was actually my fraternal twin that was lost. So I was born in death and I'm a twin survivor. And going through shamanic journeys in life, uh, in Peru and South Africa with my shamans and Sangomas, I learned to rediscover that pain, which was bothering me my whole, whole life, which I call phantom twin syndrome, which is a connection to something that isn't there because you had a prenatal connection to someone who you were connected to. And that's my whole healing process of this project. It's not just, oh, I'm going to shoot twins. It's, oh, I'm going to honor my twin and travel the world and build community through other twins and, and heal myself through this discovery process of learning what it would have been like to be a twin and know that connection. And I did that through others, through the lens of photography. And on top of that, I really wanted to shift the paradigm of twins being weirdos in the canon of photography art history, thanks to Deanne Arbus, who is an influence of mine. But I really wanted to shift that paradigm because twins are, to me, mythological heroes and, you know, honorable beings that deserve that, um, that light that isn't so wicked, right? So going back to my, how I got started with NFTs, I had an exhibition in 2019 at Super Chief Gallery, uh, May 31st, 2019, two-year anniversary of when I started the project. And I like doing things every two years. It, it feels right with twins and twos and magic numbers. So I, I released a book. Uh, I was only, I, I printed the, the work in the dark room, in the color dark room, C-print. Um, I only made two versions, the one-on-one C-print 16 by 20 um, that was either going to a, a major collector or a museum. And the APs, the artist proof to all the twins who were in my project because I think it's um, respectful to give people who are a part of my project a part of the project itself by gifting them a rare piece of the project that isn't going to anyone else's hands, but an institution or or a collector. So, you know, I spent the past two years trying to sell the project for a hundred thousand dollars because my, my market value is a thousand dollars per 16 by 20, because that's what I've established in the gallery world. And I did not want to break apart the project because they live as a whole. It's a community. It's a giant 
you know, emblem of appreciation to the twin that I lost. So I wanted to honor that and not break them apart and keep them together. They're a family, they're a community. So for me, it was, it was a difficult process to find the right, either a buyer or the right museum or institution that will accept it into their collection. And, you know, I've had people ask me, hey, can I buy this picture? This and I said, no, I cannot sell this without the whole collection. And so I spent the whole next two years up until literally last month attached and obsessed with this idea of I got to sell the physical collection as a whole. And I've been in debt making this project of over $60,000. And, you know, I couldn't pay rent and I couldn't buy food. And I was just obsessed with, you know, making art and selling art because that's my career. Like I'm nothing else but an artist and a nonprofit leader for Save Art Space, which is another big project I do for other artists all over the world. But we'll get to that later. So, you know, I, I, I hear about CryptoPunks. I'm hearing about NFTs in Clubhouse. I'm not seeing any photography on these platforms after Alex taught me how. And I met G Money, who's been such a great influence and inspiration to me to let go of this idea of selling it as a collection and, and, and stop obsessing over making one big sale. And he allowed me and helped me understand that you could sell them separately as NFTs and you could still sell the full collection or even gift it to a museum when that comes to play. So what he did is actually break down my obsession and attachment to a collection. And it allowed me, like I said, to sell them individually at the fair market value. And lo and behold, I was accepted into the crypto punk community. I was accepted uh, by NFT collectors who were ready to embrace photography. And they saw my historical value. They saw the work itself. They saw the meaning behind it, the narrative, the story, the, it's not just some shit I took a photo of and put on the blockchain. It's like, this is my life. This is my journey. This is something that connects to everyone who's a twin. And I believe you're a twin. So I, I feel like you can understand why that would be so representative of what I'm doing and why it could be so successful. So, you know, I minted it, listed it. I sold 20 the first day, 50 the next. And it took two days after that to, to sell out the series. And I was in shock because I've been broke for a long, long time. And suddenly I can pay off this debt and pay my taxes. Now I'm at zero, which is great because I don't need to carry any burden. And it actually helped me resolve all the financial burden I've been carrying. And especially with this healing project, you don't want to add trauma to the healing. So in a way, NFTs really saved my life in regards to my financial life. And it gave me confidence to you know, educate and inspire others like, hey, if I could do this, you could do this, and I'm here to help you do this. And I spent literally the, the two weeks doing this, selling out my project, also educating peers. I can name them, Chris Graves, the Four Freedom Team, um, Nicole Buffett, my girlfriend, who's also a twin that I met during the project, my business partner, Travis, everyone who came to me that week who asked for advice, I gave it to them. And I was happy to because I don't want to be here alone. I don't want to do this alone. I need my community. I need my friends to come up with me. And if you're, if you're, you know, if you're driven enough to want to do this and you see the potential in this technology, then I'm here to help. And I was helpful. And I wasn't, you know, egotistical about, hey, I'm not going to help you because it's less for me and more for me. I mean, less for you and more for me. It's more like there's actually an ocean of abundance here. And I'm happy to help because there's so much resources, because like you said, Nick, 
you, if, if there's crypto collectors who got in early when Ethereum and Bitcoin were like 10 cents to, to $30, right now that shit's like 1500 to $50,000. So as you can see, that created the abundance. And now people are throwing money at everything. And I feel like now is a great time, not because of people throwing money, just because it's a new technology to embrace. And similar to Instagram in 2012, it took me to like 2014 to get on Instagram as a photographer. So I kind of like fell, fell off a little bit until I started getting in the flow. And you don't want to be late to adoption to new technology. But I will say, you know, I was not interested in TikTok. And I'm, and I'm grateful and glad that I moved on to NFTs as something that I could really work through and work with that actually supports my craft and not distract me and make me dance for life. Man, so I, I, that, I, that's what's going on here. I absolutely, your story is quite moving. I actually did not even know the full depth of your story. So I really appreciate you sharing uh, and was definitely touched by that. Uh, I also, it happened to be coincidental that I'm a, a twin as well. My sister is actually in, in the room here. But the, uh, yeah, that, that was <laughs> incredibly meaningful. Um, what you were saying, though, I think is also. Man, it, it, it touched me in so many ways, including from the fact where you're saying, hey, staying true to your craft, this is actually a channel that enabled you to respect that versus, as you're saying, try and learn this other medium to warp yourself to fit that medium. Um, th right. You don't need to animate your photography to appeal to collectors. Like, that's not who you are, and that's not what your art is. Like, I had no interest in making my pictures breathe or anything like this is what I created and this is what I've been putting out there and this is how it's going to live on the blockchain and you know you've got to believe in yourself and you got to be confident and you got to know what you're doing and not just do shit because there's trends or you see other shit selling like you got to be yourself at all times and people will resonate with you and if you you know if you conceptualize the project with animation then that there you go you start that but don't animate shit that you never intended it to be animated. Yeah. Does that, that make sense for you? Oh, it makes a ton of sense. And I think it's also when you look at a lot of the art that exists online and you try to fast follow or fast copy, that's not staying true uh, to yourself. And that uh, ultimately that ends up coming through. I mean, that happens on all platforms. Uh, you see that on uh, people that try to do the same dances that someone does on TikTok or take the same photos or videos that someone else does on Instagram. And, you know, that's ultimately like a great way to start. You need to find inspiration from other people. Uh, but if it's not true to your craft and what uh, has really worked for you in the past, then uh, you may be going down um, an odd path. So, Well, I, we all have superpowers, right? We're all artists. We're all creatives. We're all creators. You just got to find your signature style and go with it and never be afraid to share it because that's your light you're shining into the world. And don't let social media or others try to bring you down because that's just the illusion. That's the universe testing you for, are you really believing in yourself? Are you really caring for yourself? Are you just going to copy this shit and do what works for likes? I say, fuck that. If I get 10 likes on my picture, I just post it. I don't give a fuck. It's not for you. It's for me. And, you know, it's not even for social media. It's for a gallery. It's for history. It's for, it's for me and the subject that created that moment in, in the end of the day, right? So, yep. you know, don't let that shit turn you off. It well, should turn you on to being yourself. 
it's very clear that you have a purpose, Justin, and that's something that uh, I, I can only respect and uh, appreciate. So I, I'm grateful to uh, have you on today to discuss that. Um, I, I know that uh, I want to jump to one other subject matter real quick, which is uh, your Save Art Space. I just wanted to ask, like, wh what's that about? Um, and uh, a follow-on question to that is, uh, has this space, as you've been navigating it now, sort of changed the way that you're thinking about that program as well? Oh, my God. Uh, can you ask that second question when I'm done spieling off on the first part? <laughs> okay. So Save Art Space was conceptualized after I graduated SVA in 2014 with my business partner, Travis Ricks. We were living in Bushwick, and we wanted to do something for the public for public art for Bushwick Open Studios because that's an event and a festival for people to gather and look at performances in the street and look at studios and galleries that are open to the public. And there's like thousands of people walking around that weekend. Pre-COVID, 2015, um, that was our initial inaugural year in June. And we spent from January to June figuring out how the hell we're going to do this. So we looked around town. And we saw that all the billboards were taking over all the mural spaces in Bushwick. And we're like, fuck that. Why is advertisers gentrifying our neighborhood uh, with bullshit? So we're going to buy the ads that they put over the art. And we're going to call it Save Art Space because that's what we're doing. We're saving the art space. And I invested at least $20,000 from my savings from college, from shooting and you know, not going out and drinking every weekend, just being a nerd and making art and just invested myself and created the nonprofit with Travis. He's the business admin. I'm more of the creative community person. So we're the perfect team. Libra Aries represent. Um, so let me, let me figure out where I'm at. Um, save our space. We, okay. We had the exhibition. It was free. Our first show was free. We put flyers everywhere. We, made Photoshop images of what it would look like if people's art was on billboards and we tagged the artists, but first we'd ask them for permission. So we, we were just generally getting the idea out there so people could fuck with it. And, you know, we had a ton of submissions. We, we had tons of native Bushwick artists. Daniel De Jesus was one of our, you know, first picks. Meryl Meisler, who did a, was a teacher in Bushwick in the 80s and 70s. And she's a really good friend of mine. And because of Save Our Space, we connected. And I love Save Our Space because it allows us to connect with everyone in communities across the, co the country, whether they be, you know, nonprofit uh, organizations like Save Our Space or schools or youth groups or collectives like or major galleries and museums. Like we, we, ha we hold the master key to the art world when it comes to public art because it allows us to connect with anyone if we hold an exhibition about certain themes, we have shows on Black Lives Matter and trans people are sacred and, and the environment. If you look at our open calls open right now, it's mostly about the environment and, you know, water, um, restoration, all these different subjects that are very impactful and important to be thinking about, especially in the mainstream media way, such as billboards, where they're used to selling us bullshit every day. So my whole thing with Save Our Space is, we're shifting the paradigm from consumerism to community by giving public art spaces to either emerging artists or even children and, and folks in senior residencies. Like everyone can be involved. You don't have to be a MoMA artist. You don't have to be uh, a 27-year-old artist who went to art school. You could be anyone 
and we want everyone to participate because the, the the public art represents everybody and we're not we're not gatekeepers we're we we leave the we tear down the gate and leave it at like an open field for everyone to enjoy and we don't even curate the billboards. We ask curators to curate the billboards in the local communities we work in. We never want to gentrify um, any area. So when we're in Idaho, we work with the local Idaho curators. When we're in New York, we're, we're, we're New York curators and work with New York artists. And we really keep it localized because you don't have to be in, in New York to be an artist. You could be at home where you are now and be an artist there and be your hometown hero. So we really want to bring it, bring art to the people and get rid of those consumerist bullshit on billboards that is brainwashing us. Man, I I absolutely uh, I, I, I absolutely love it. I appreciate you sharing. Um, man, the 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 passion that you bring to all all the different projects that you have is just inspiring. One. Well, can I just say real quick, Nick? Yeah. As you can see, my personal art projects are healing for myself. And the external art projects like Save Art Space is healing for all, for the community. So everything I do is for healing's sake. It, whether it's societal or whether it's personal, I aim to make my art for, for healing and to give that spirit to all to, to, to reflect on in their life because they too might be going through some shit that no one understands. and art is a vehicle for healing and i guess that's my purpose i mean it definitely sounds that way and uh i i, I know that i'm touched i'm sure the other people in the room are equally as touched by your stories um and the journey that you've been on uh i i, I genuinely did not even uh, uh know what to expect when we hopped on this call uh to begin with however it's completely different than i anticipated and it's better than I anticipated, so I'm very grateful uh, for for to have your presence and to have you share. Um, well, so, I'm grateful to be here, and when you do get to know me, you realize and you have these conversations with me. This is what I live and die for because this is all I care about. And art is just has saved my life. And there's a Nietzsche quote that art saves lives to save it to for art's sake or something like that. If you if you read Beyond Good and Evil, you'll see that quote, and that quote has touched my life because art saves a lot it really does it saved mine and you know to bring it back to the core and the purpose of this uh of this show and honestly why i find this space so exciting is that it's people like you uh who've who who are not just uh early crypto enthusiasts whose lives are being changed and i think that that's something that's so inspiring and is what also means that this actually has lasting power well beyond uh, the hype cycle and the and, and the very varying prices of Bitcoin from one day to the next, um, so, so that's what's super well, exciting. You know what really kind of upsets me with the news cycle with NFTs, and, it's, and it is bothersome to me because there is such a beautiful potential for artists to use it as a tool, but not to make money, but for the community to thrive to have sustainability, to have transparency, to have royalties, which is probably the most important part about NFTs in the first place. And the news is so caught up in the bullshit of money and fame and all that crap, because that's what the news sells. But in reality, what they should be talking about is how does this serve the community? How does this serve artists? And to your second question, how is this helping save art space? 
well, I can't give away too many secrets, but we're planning something huge in Miami next month. And it's probably going to be the first NFT public art fundraiser. And what, what we're fundraising is actually um, collectibles that we're going to be EV offering for free as gifts if you're, if you're on the scavenger hunt, kind of like a Pokemon Go thing. But after that, there's going to be things for sale. And we imagine it to be sold and resold to help keep our nonprofit sustained. And I think we'll be the first in the world to do something like this, to use art to catapult our nonprofit into sustainability so we don't have to rely on donors and funders and endowments and grants, but we rely on the art and the artists we partner with. And I think that's the most beautiful part we'll start seeing with NFTs is a way to be sustainable. And we're going to, we're actively doing it with the project we're having next month. And I'll fill you in a bit more um, privately because we, it, it, we can't announce it until it's happening uh, mid, mid uh, April. Um. I, I will gladly uh, cover that once you actually have the announcement. But we also um, have come to the limit of this show uh, on time-wise. So I just want to thank you real quick for taking the time to come on uh, to the show today. And I, I really hope that, uh, well, I'm sure that we're going to actually get to connect in real life, given the fact that um, we happen to know this, <laughs> some similar people now. Um, but I really appreciate uh, you coming on today, Justin. Dude, Nick, thank you for having me. Thank you for communicating with me. And this is just a testament to how community grows through NFTs. Like, if it wasn't for that, I don't think we'd be talking. And I just want to say before we end, I'm part of an exhibition that Super Cheap is ha holding on Thursday. So if you're in New York, they have two gallery spaces. One's in Soho, one's in uh, Union Square. The one in Soho is physical art, and the one in Union Square is the NFT uh, reflections of the physical. So if you're there, check it out. And I think you're doing a uh, podcast with them, if I'm, if I'm mistaken. Yep, I'm planning on doing a video interview to check out the uh, space. Wonderful. Well, I can't wait to see that. Awesome. Justin, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much, bro. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who's listening. I didn't think there'd be anyone here just us ripping and rapping. So thank you guys for getting involved and listening. Thanks again to Justin Aversano for coming on the show. Also, if you made it this far, then please consider signing up for the newsletter at nftnick.com. I have tons of upcoming interviews with artists, galleries, and the developers behind NFTs. And nftnick.com is where you can keep up to date on the latest. Thanks again.